Good evening, you fantastic and glorious degenerates of this floating rock that we call Earth. Welcome to Off the Wire. I am your host, Noel Olin, aka the Cajun Libertarian. And tonight we have an absolutely exceptional guest, somebody that I admire with a great deal. Um, I mean, it, it's incredible. I cannot wait to get to it. And so um, stay tuned. Because this is going to be one exceptional show coming up right now on Off the Wire. Yes, indeed. Welcome back, friends and family of liberty and sanity and all things that we want to come across this wire. Um, this is going to be exceptional. Uh, don't forget to hit the like, the share, the follow button, subscribe to this channel. This is going to be amazing. This show has had absolutely exponential growth, and it's so shocking to me that I've only been doing this for like a year and a half and we have the numbers that we have and it not only that, but it, it's trending so fast in the right direction. And I truly believe that it's because of the authenticity of what we present here and the amazing guests that I'm actually able to, uh, to, to gather and present to you like the one that we have tonight, which may be one of the most important guests, if not the most important guest that I've ever had, a voice, Chloe Cole, that I believe is one of the most important voices in America right now. Not just for our youth, but for everyone else in between. And I do not say that lightly. You the audience, you absolutely know this. I don't say those types of things much. I don't overhype things because I don't want you to be disappointed. There is no overhyping of tonight. This is without doubt one of the most important voices you are going to hear in this country right now. And that's Chloe Cole. I want to read you her Twitter bio real quick. Uh, or at least some of it, right? <laughs> she's 18. She's a female. Suspiciously photogenic. I don't know about the suspiciously part. Very photogenic. Um, former trans kid. T plus blockers. I'm assuming that testosterone plus blockers is what she's talking about. At the age of 13. Double mastectomy at 15. And detransed at 16. So we're talking about somebody who has been through the absolute gauntlet of this movement that we're calling I guess the trans movement I, I don't know because th there's so many trans people that 
are really fighting against this, right? You got gays against groomers, you got trans against groomers, you got massive amounts of people saying, hey, absolutely not. This is not something that we're going to accept. We are for the kids. And Chloe has an absolutely exceptional story that we all need to hear that the entirety of America and possibly even not possibly the majority of the earth needs to hear. But the fact, the, the fact of the matter remains is that the, the rest of the, the rest of the globe is probably not dealing with the things that we're dealing with here. So we're going to get into it with her. I'm going to let you hear her story and my God, is this going to be a fantastic episode for sure. So with that being said, Let's uh, let's tackle our two sponsors real quick, and then we're going to get right into it. So the first sponsor we have is GapArmory.com. Gap Armory carries a wide variety of parts and accessories. Whether you're looking for uh, to build kits or 3D printed firearms, optics, outstanding level for body armor, or anything in between, they have you covered. Gap Armory is libertarian-owned and operated. They also accept Bitcoin. Gap Armory has the gear that you need to bridge the gap between your self-defense preparedness and government intrusion. Get what you need today at GapArmory.com. That's G-A-P-A-R-M-O-R-Y.com. For those of you that are listening later, that's G-A-P-A-R-M-O-R-Y.com. Probably spelled that wrong. That's okay. I'm very, very, very excited for this show. So I'm trying to speed through this stuff. Uh, Disto, DSYDO.com, DSYDO.com. It's a libertarian-owned co- uh, T-shirt company who designs designs intended to start a conversation. Use Cogent, use code Cajun15 for 15% off, off your order at dsydo.com wow did i mess that up my bad rj um you know you're good though brother thank you for sponsoring the show dsydo.com you can get shirts like these and i left the gap armory image up there look dangerous liberty over peaceful slavery so with that being said now that I screwed up both of my sponsors, I am so sorry. I am uh, I am just very excited for this show. I apologize. I'm ready to get to it. So let's get to it, y'all. Please go, please go visit those sites and tune in today. Now let's get to Chloe Cole. Hello. Thank you so much for having me here, Noel. Chloe, thank you so much for being here. You are an absolutely amazing individual. You're 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 18, right? Yeah. You're 18 years old. That's that's crazy. And yet you are an extremely successful activist and you've garnered like a, a, literally almost 100,000 followers on Twitter. What's life been like since you started this? Um, it's pretty crazy because I really just started this year in the in the spring. Um, 
I mean, I kind of talked about like my life experiences on my personal social media, but it was only this year that I really set up my Twitter and started speaking about it um, publicly. And it blew up pretty quickly. I wasn't really expecting it, but I mean, I went from earlier this year, like being basically just playing video games in my room half the time to, um, I mean, I'm basically traveling all the time now. Like I'm either in a car or a plane or I'm out somewhere. It's, it's pretty crazy, but I love being able to do what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I am, uh, I am super glad that you are doing what you're doing because uh, just, just complete transparency here. I am 100% against and have been the entire time against these types of issues with children, which I don't mean to please take it. I, I don't mean to degrade you as a child, right? Mm -hmm. But I do have a 14 year old daughter that's four years away from you, right? You're 18 years old. And so I, I really want your voice out there. I don't think that you, you are a child per se, but mm -hmm. you're an extraordinarily uh, amazing voice and I don't even know how to say it, to be honest with you. It's just, it, it's, it's impacted me in a great deal that I cannot put into words. And you're someone who is, you're, you're facing a, a lot of controversy. You're facing a lot of, if I can say death threats, uh, violence yeah. threats against you. Um, how real is that? And, and what has that been like for you, if you don't mind talking about it? Um, I mean, even on my personal social media, it wasn't really to the point that it was now. But when I started talking about my how I regretted my transition and how it was negatively affecting several areas of my life, I got a lot of a lot of hatred from other trans individuals in in the I guess you'd say in the community, um, they wouldn't like resort to like threats or anything, but they would tell me things like, you knew exactly what you're doing to yourself. Like you're not a victim. And they would, right. you know, they would say things like by talking about this, you're making other people really uncomfortable and just harming our community. And you, sh you need to stop. You need to basically just keep your mouth shut. Um, and I've kind of faced that attitude from, a lot of other transgender people for quite a while, unfortunately, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of people who, especially older trans identified individuals who agree with what I'm saying and are completely against like the transition of children. Um, right. But I've, you know, as I've garnered more publicity, I've gotten a lot more, both a lot more support and a lot more, um, a lot more, um, There's there's some there's some people who haven't been too friendly to me, and I've been getting not only some really just awful messages, just a lot a lot of a lot of um, threats to violence and even death as well. People telling me to to kill myself basically. And wow. recently, I've I've gotten a, a threat from somebody in my area, and so I've had to I have to hire security now. It's it really does suck. 
Yeah, I can only imagine. And you're only 18. That's crazy to me. So uh, what are what are your experiences like with this? Is there a way that we can combat some of this hatred? And can you, in your own words, really explain why this hatred, this vitriol, this vile, disgusting behavior is coming your way just because you're speaking out in your own experience. I don't understand this. A part of me thinks that I do understand it in the fact that like, they just want their agenda pushed forward That's instead of, of it. Yeah. 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 Let me, let me know about it. I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of factors in this, but, um, I think the treatment I get from other, um, other trans individuals who really strongly disagree with what I'm saying, um, it stems from, from multiple things. I think there is a little bit of jealousy in that I was able to transition younger, which they have been pushing for, especially in the past few years. Like they say, they basically say like there's, there's a rush to transition kids pretty much as soon as they get diagnosed with, with dysphoria. And they say the younger, the better, but it's really not true. I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of trans individuals who transition later in life as fully developed adults and they are satisfied with their transitions. I don't really understand why there is such a rush to do it but um it's also that it is there is there is a lot of delusion and it's basically like my my story is really a challenge to this to this um this ideology and seeing this these little slivers of truth right right no no uh and that I think that that's what the major pushback is becoming to uh, materialize in is that uh, these people there and these people I put in quotes because I don't know who these people are. You can call them left. You can call them right. I think that paradigm is actually actually uh, ridiculous. I, I, I think it's a spectrum of IDs or ideology, you know. And it's it's weird to see weird an understatement for me, but um, I'm trying to be like we talked about before the program. I'm I'm really want to be sensitive here, and I really want to project your um, your experience accurately without any sort of political biases. And so, I know you've stole. I know you've told your story many, many, many times, but. If you don't mind, will you take us all the way back at the beginning of your journey, starting with being the youngest of several siblings, which my wife is also. Um, she's got one younger sibling behind her, but mm. she's got a, a lifetime of extreme abuse coming from her both blind parents, but mainly her father. Can you... Can you give us some sort of example of um, or experience of what you went through as what I believe that I heard and, and what I think that I know about you? And again, please correct me on any wrong thing whatsoever. You are a, uh, you're the youngest of many children and you were a tomboy that was fighting with being a tomboy mm -hmm. for quite a while. 
And then when that started to transition into when you started to believe about gender ideology and what made you change your mind? Yeah, so I was born to a family of about five kids. All my, all my siblings are older than me, and they're all, they're all half-siblings. I have one sister and one brother on each side. Um, there's about like a seven to eight-year age gap between me and the rest of my siblings, and I did have like a lot of influence from, from both my brothers and sisters growing up. You know, with my older brothers, I played a lot of, a lot of their games, and I, you know, I stole their Legos and toy guns and stuff, and then right. my older sisters, I would like, play dress up and learn how to do makeup with them and things like that. And so I was kind of in the middle on being like a tomboy and a girly girl. But as I got older, you know, they, they started getting to middle and high school and they turned to teenagers and they didn't really want to, they wanted to kind of do their own thing and they didn't really want to associate with me as much. So I did kind of get lonely. And, you know, at school, I was also experiencing a bit of loneliness as well, because, I'm, I'm on the spectrum and I, I do struggle with socializing um, a little bit. It's gotten better over the years, but as a kid, it was, it was really tough. And I found that it was especially hard to really communicate and make friends and especially with other, other girls my age. And so there was a little bit of gap there. As I got older, I started to fit in more with the boys more than the girls. And eventually I started to wonder like what exactly it was that was separating me from the other girls. And it started to become a bit of an insecurity of mine. Um, I also started using me social media at 11 after I got my first phone and, Hmm. you know, seeing all the, all the images of women on there, um, you know, looking like supermodels, either like editing their, their photos or wearing a lot of makeup or getting plastic surgery on themselves. I started to feel like there was an ideal that I wasn't really matching up to um, and yet another way. And, you know, I grew up in an age where women who are very curvaceous, very, they call it bottom heavy or thick are, are the ideal. You know, I was kind of, I was kind of a skinny girl, um, a little, a little slender and a little bit on the muscular side because I was a bit of a tomboy, a little on the athletic side. And so I had, I had smaller breasts and hips. I was I was only so old, but um, I also had a little a little bit of muscle and a little like my my shoulders were a little on the bigger side. And I liked having my my hair shorter. And I started to feel like you know I don't really look like these other women. I feel like I look more like a boy than anything. So what's the point of even trying to be? What's the point of even trying to be pretty like a girl? Like. Am I, am I ever going to have any worth as a woman? And I started right. to develop some, some body image issues. It wasn't until um, I started seeing LGBT-specific content, though, that I started to think, like, maybe there is a way out of this. And um, I would often get recommended. Um, it, it was usually other biological women um, between the ages of, I'd say around 12 to maybe early 20s, who identified as male or transmasculine or non-binary. And I would kind of like, they would post about their their lives and their experiences. And they had a lot of the same struggles that I did and they seemed so much happier. 
when they transitioned and they, you know, I often saw all these people just completely transform from people who had a rough relationship with their families and their peers. And all of a sudden they were loved and accepted right. and people had their backs. And that really, that really, that really, um, it left an impact on me and it was something that, you know, I kind of wish to have myself. And, you know, I was also at an age where I was starting to wonder who I really was and what role I would play in the world. And, you know, naturally I started wondering, like, am I one of these things? Like, you know, they, they got all these crazy labels and flags and stuff. So it does, there is kind of an appeal to, to kids and younger people. Um, in that way and I started to wonder like who am I attracted to what's what is my identity maybe I'm bisexual or pansexual or genderless agender or maybe I'm bi-gender and then eventually it went to like you know it just makes sense that maybe I'm just not a girl in the first place and hmm. I think that I am the boy can, can I be perfectly candid with you there was, um, <clears throat> I had my 14 year old daughter on this show just a couple of weeks ago. And prior to the show, I asked her, I said, you told me, and this is a great thing, right? I don't want people to, to mistake this for something wrong because I, I really want to address this for me personally. This was a great revelation for me in my relationship with my 14 year old daughter at the time she was 11, she comes out to me and she tells me that she's bi. Mm. Okay. And then I talked to her just a couple of weeks ago and I brought her on the show for the first time. And it was a, a very massive audience um, and, and still growing of that show. And <clears throat> at the end of it, she told me she was pansexual. It wasn't on the show though. It was in our in her room, right? That we talked about it, and she and I'm very appreciative, and, and very, very, I guess I can't say any better. Very appreciative of the fact that my that my teenage daughter can be open with me in dialogue, and tells me like I asked her. I said, "You told me when you were 11 years old, you were you were bisexual, or you thought you were bisexual." Now. Putting aside the fact that a, a freaking 11-year-old is talking about sex whatsoever is beyond absurd. And then she comes back to me three years later after I readdress the situation after talking about, and, and she knows I do this, right? She knows I'm, I'm very popular at this, or I guess I'll put popular in quotes. Um, what would you say to someone like her when you hear that coming from me? I mean, I think part of the issue is that we've... Parents... There, there is kind of a generational gap in that they don't really understand technology as Absolutely. well as my generation and the generation before because they didn't, they didn't grow up with it, but I mean, a lot of, a lot of parents, and I don't really blame them for this kind of just, you know, while they're working or they're doing a chore or something, they'll just like hand their kids an iPad or a phone or something so that they can, 
right. be distracted and not bother them while they're in the middle of that. But that's exactly right. I mean, we we've basically made kids dependent on technology for for a lot of things, not only entertainment but also socialization. And you know, kids are using social media younger and younger. And I feel like social media has played a role in how we see a lot of things and. It's had it's had some 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 consequences. I mean, a lot of people in my generation have become less focused on things that I think really really matter, like community and what what we contribute to society. And they're more they become a lot more vain, a lot more self centered. And I think that's kind hmm. of a big issue. That's kind of a part. That's kind of a big part of it. And completely agree. There's just there, there's just become so much um, introspection that it's actually become detrimental a little bit and nobody is really focused on i mean a lot of kids these days they're more active on social media and technology than they have been in previous generations and there's less of focus on things like school extracurriculars and clubs and sports right so they're not really they're not really active they're not really out doing things anymore and i think that's part of what's caused this so how much do you think that social media played um, or had a play in your decision to carry forward with not only just hormone blockers, but then eventually like literally a double mastectomy, which is pretty irreversible, I would say. Again, I want to mm. be very sensitive here. So please stop me. Okay. Okay. No, don't Very be good. afraid. All right. I, I, I just, I want this to come across great. Um, and, and you're a great person. You're very, 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 very um, brave because as I know it, and I want to ask you this later, but I want to acknowledge to the audience right now that you have, just because of your testimony, received literally violent and death threats going through with this. So <clears throat> speaking your story, how much do you think that social media had a play in your decision in all of this? I really think social media was the catalyst. I mean, the idea that I could escape being growing into a woman and would act, could actually be a boy instead didn't occur to me until I started using it. Um, I also forgot to mention that I feel like a lot of modern feminism has also played a role, hmm. or I should say postmodern feminism has played a role in, in right. my feelings around being a woman because growing up, um, a lot of women and girls who I was close with, um, I would hear like their accounts of some really scary parts of being a woman, like things like being the victims of rape or assault or sexual abuse in that was that was a really big thing that I, I feared would eventually happen to myself and I really want to escape from it. But there are other things on top of that, like the the way that other women talk about things like female puberty and getting periods and the possibility of getting pregnant and then eventually going through childbirth and menopause. It's like it's just all terrifying. There's nothing good about it. It's all just painful and it sucks. And they never talked about like I never really heard about like the blessings that came with any of it. And so right. naturally I had kind of a negative view of growing into a woman and I didn't really want 
anything to, to do with it, especially from, I would often hear from, from feminist, I would see like feminist content online saying like, oh, we live in a patriarchy, women are oppressed and they're losing their rights and we're losing, they would, they would use phrases that would, that would kind of scare me, like reproductive yeah. rights, th things like that. Like I'm old enough to like see through it now, but I mean, hearing that growing up was just terrifying. I didn't, in a world where my, my whole sex is supposedly oppressed and we're going through all this scary stuff, why would I want anything to do with that? Yeah, and it just yeah, so happened yeah. to be that a lot of these, a lot of the pages, the accounts I would follow that would post feminist content, also would post LGBT and especially translated content as well. That's a, that's a so big a issue overlap. for me. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The overlap that that's a big issue for me because um, I, I see that the um, LGBT plus community has is kind of being hijacked by this uh this almost pedophilic if not pedophilic movement i want to read this quote from logic rex who is also uh to whom i believe in you can correct me logic if i'm wrong a trans person that advocates and speaks out quite um virulently against this movement that we're Basically, and again, I really want to be careful with my words here, but this is what I believe. So correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, th this demonstrative destruction of children before they're ready to make these decisions. Uh, Logic Rex says it takes a strong individual to stand up on a mic and speak their personal story. Chloe shook the room that day. I think it was a school board meeting question mark. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, it might have been it might have been uh, a city council meeting, but I thank you so much. That really means a lot to me. Awesome, yeah, yeah, uh, and, and this is what we need. We need you, Chloe. I mean, you are, and, and I'm not. <laughs> this isn't for views. This isn't for likes. This isn't for shares. This isn't for more YouTube followers. This is me speaking from the. God honest part of my heart and that you are one of the strongest and most important voices in our country right now. I have three kids. Now I, look, I'm not going to apologize for the fact that I have three children and I see the propaganda that's happening right now. And that's destroying children's lives. And some of this stuff is irreparable. I'm like, I, okay. I'm not supposed my wife said, don't go on a rant. Right, don't go on a rant. <laughs> so let me, well, thank you for standing me, up as a parent. There really aren't enough adults who are standing up to this. And you know what, Chloe? I think a part of this is the fact that they're so scared to. The part of it is the fact that they're so scared of getting canceled or losing you know, their jobs. Whatever, the, losing their jobs, whatever the consequences are. I don't freaking care because these people in. Again, again, I have a 14-year-old teenage daughter. You're 18 years old. By the way, freaking congrats. You are an exceptionally intelligent and outspoken and bold and, and, and absolutely probably one of the most premier voices to come across this country and will be 
someone that absolutely changes the landscape of this conversation. Congrats to you. No, 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 you're welcome for sure. Thank you. Because at 18, no chance I would be in your position right now. I, I was I was an idiot. And so you're, you're absolutely freaking incredible. And so we just talked about the social media exposure that really, really kind of got you into this arena. And that influenced you in a way that you probably, correct me if I'm wrong here, you probably wouldn't have had this ideological train of thought had it not been for social media. Is that, is that correct or wrong? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, social media was a, introduced me to the idea that I could just, that I could actually be the opposite sex somehow. Or that gender violent. was a spectrum and that it was disconnected from sex in the first place. I genuinely believed um, there's a theory that transgender people or people with dysphoria actually have the brain of the opposite sex, and that is what causes them to experience dysphoria. Um, this has been disproven, um, but I, I was a gullible kid. I mean, I, w I was just a kid, and I did fall into it, okay. and I believed that because I had, you know, these masculine behaviors, and I didn't fit in with other girls, and, and I felt like even I didn't even look like a girl. That made me somehow male, even if I was biologically female. Let me ask you about that. I want to, I, I want to hear about that because I want everyone, including myself, because I'm not somebody who knows a lot about this, but you were talking about how this kind of content influenced you to convince yourself that you were a different biological sex, even though you, you probably kind of knew, or at least you've at least come to the conclusion that that was never possible. What was it in your mind? If you could pinpoint one or two things, which I'm sure is impossible, like, right? I'm asking like an impossible question, or I think it's impossible. It's impossible for me. Um, what was it in your mind that, that convinced you that you could be something that science says that you couldn't be? Well, they say that the leading science in major medical institutions in the U.S. actually say that transgender people are the sex that they claim to be or whatever gender identity they, they claim to be. And um, I think the main theory they, they, they reference is the brain sex theory, the idea that the brain is sexed and that the sex of the brain can actually be be separate from the sex of the rest of the body, which doesn't make sense, obviously, and this has been disproven hmm. in several studies. But and those, wow. those studies they cite usually are are observing are actually observing the gay the, the brains of people who are gay and not 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 really, really controlling for that. So, Do, if I can, and and I didn't even think about this question prior, and so you you don't have. Under any circumstances, whatsoever, whatsoever, do you, do you have to answer the question? Do you do you think you're gay now, or do you think you're straight? No, I mean, I've always been pretty much entirely attracted to to men. That's one thing that did complicate this a little bit more. Um, wow, it did. 
I, you know, because I, I was, I started on this path so young, I didn't really, I didn't really know about like the, what consequences it could have for like my, like the, my, my romantic life. And when I went to high school, I realized like I had a very skewed dating pool because, you know, I was attracted to men, but I was identifying as a male, but, you know, I had such a skewed dating pool because I, I actually looked like a boy. I by the time I I was in my sophomore year I passed pretty much completely as I looked like pretty much just any other boy my age aside from the fact that I was a little bit shorter in stature but um, you know it was mostly girls who were attracted to me there there were some girls who had crushes on me but I didn't really have any interest in them I didn't reciprocate so I mean I mean it it was kind of lonely because I did I did get to watch like the rest of my peers get into relationships and go on dates and stuff and I was just completely missing out on this and this did yeah. cause a lot of distress for me and um there were a few boys who um who were attracted to me and they did they did have crushes on me and they did try to make advances on me but a lot of them they 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 knew most people at school didn't know that I was trans but these were people who who did, who knew me a little more personally. And it often felt like their attraction was more, more, how do I say this? Very sexual in nature, kind of like a fetish basically. And like, I wasn't right. really, like I knew that they wouldn't treat me very well. And I didn't want, I didn't want, I didn't want any of that. And so I didn't really have any, any choices. What was what was that like? If you don't mind, if you, if you want to share again, please tell me anything that's off limits. I'm just uh, because I want people to hear this because um, I'm a person that's more uh, psychologically based when it comes to many of these things. But when you were going through these emotions and you were going through these feelings, did you ever feel like you were? 100% in the thing that you had bought into was there ever any doubt and when the doubt came how did you react to that internally um the doubt didn't come until I had until after I had surgery actually um I had a mastectomy when when I was 15 both my breast had been removed as part of my gender affirming care to affirm my my identity and become my real self as the boy I really was, wasn't actually, but um, I was completely sure about my transition up until that point. And, you know, after I woke up from the operation, it was like, great, I've, I like accomplished this huge milestone and I've, I've, I feel so happy. And, you know, I was, I was pretty excited and that excitement lasted for a little while until I went home and, you know, my mom had to, it was a major surgery and I was basically disabled at that point. Um, I lost a lot of my, I love the range of motion in my upper body and I couldn't really move my arms or lift oh stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. And it wasn't until maybe about three or four months after that I could even lift up my, my arms above my head. And so I had, I, I had to have my mom stay home and take care of me for a little bit. And until, um, it wasn't until maybe about like a week or so after I, I, I came from, I came home that I could finally like bathe again. And once I started doing that, it was like, 
I had to take care of my bandages and my dressings and like switch them out every time I bathed. And I would just like, I would look down at this area of my body that's been cut up and these big wounds on my chest. And there's, there's so many details that I can't go into because it's just so graphic. I mean, I, right. I, I would, because I think it's, I think people need to hear this just to understand just how serious it is. But I also want to want to spare the details. Um, but it's just not something that any 15 year old should have to go through. It was traumatizing to say the least. And I started to become more and more unhappy after um, over, over the course of the post-op period. And, you know, I thought it was just cause it was, you know, I was recovering from a surgery and there's a bunch of emotions along, going, to go along with that, but I never really got any better. I started to realize actually that I missed having a more feminine appearance and in, in, in secret, I would buy like makeup and um, women's clothing and just wear it when like nobody was home or just like in the comfort of my own room. And, you know, it, it was something I was really embarrassed about because I didn't even look like a woman at that point. You know, everybody, everybody knew me as like their son or their, their brother, their, their nephew. And, you know, I, again, I didn't look like a girl anymore because I was on, I was on, I was on hormones for about two to three years by that point. Um, It wasn't until I'd say a few months later when I was taking a psychology class that it was like, that it started to really click for me because I was, I had a lesson on parenting, maternity, and there was there was one part of the lesson that explained how um, how um, physical affection and particularly breastfeeding plays a role in the bond between the mother and her infant, and how that role will go on to affect that kid's cognitive and emotional development. And I realized that you know I did I, w- I was told. Um, before my surgery that I would lose my ability to breastfeed my kids, but it was like, you know, I, I thought it was a guy and men don't do that. And also I didn't know like just, just what that, what that really meant because I thought like, well, if I have a kid, I could just get like donor milk or uh, formula. But I realized that this is, that that's a special experience that I would never yeah. have the opportunity to have ever again because of a decision that I made when I was 15. And, and, and you went through these decisions with doctor's consent. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only doctor's consent, you went through with this decision. Sorry, I'm trying to hold it together. Sorry. Um, who, they weren't just consenting. They were, um, they were pushing this. Right, so um, give me a second to get to uh, part of that. And my notes here. Uh, you had said that the doctor that discouraged you from this process because of concerns about your mental and cognitive health has probably been fired. And yeah. that was the wrong note that I wanted, but it's fitting. So can you talk about that? Yeah, so 
I guess we'll go a few years back. I mean, that was that was where I was just talking about the later stages of my transition. But earlier in my transition, um, once I once I came out to my parents, they referred me to like a therapist to get things sorted out because as much as they wanted to support me, they didn't really know exactly what to do about the situation. And so they wanted to they wanted to seek the help of the experts who could help us with this. And that is not how it went because, you know, as soon as I started talking to the therapist about like my feelings about believing that I was a boy and wanting to wanting to go forward with like a transition, it was basically like, oh, okay, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're a boy. I'll, I'll, I'll refer you by that, by your preferred name. And then I was referred to a gender specialist and I got a diagnosis for gender dysphoria. And, you know, I wanted to go forward with medically transitioning because I thought that was really the only way forward because not only um, the research I did on transition and gender dysphoria basically pushed transition as the means of treating dysphoria that that people with the gender dysphoria actually are the sex or the gender identity that they say they are and that there's there is never really any regards to any any alternatives really and this it was the same way with the doctors who treated me um you know when i when i told my parents like i want to go on cross sex hormones i want to go on testosterone they were actually they were a little concerned about this because I was so young. I was quite young to be making such a decision. And right. they were like, we don't understand why you are pushing for this, why you want this so much. Like it's this this, you know, we don't we feel like you're not really old enough to be making that kind of decision. And we don't think that it's you know, we don't think it's gonna make you happy. But right. they had they had an appointment with my I don't remember who exactly it was. It was one of it was one of the physicians or psychologists who was involved with my transition. But they told them they basically said the same thing. It was like, "Oh yeah, children already know their gender by a certain age. She definitely knows what she is." And you know, if if she's not allowed to transition, this will cause her significant distress to the point that she could be at risk of suicide if we don't go through with this. And they basically coerced them into allowing this to happen without any regards to any alternative therapies or even like any investigation of the factors that that might have contributed to the onset of my dysphoria. It was just like, okay, so she she's exactly what she says, says she is. And so, you know, it was only a matter of months between getting the diagnosis and actually being referred to an endocrinologist to get me on hormones. And the first endocrinologist actually said, no, I'm not only going, I'm not going to let you go, go on these hormones. I'm not going to let you go on blockers. There could be some concerns for your, your brain development because you are so young. And right. I, I believe he told me that I was actually one of the youngest patients that he had seen. And so that was, that was really the only pushback that I had from any medical professional in this. Um, very quickly after that, maybe only a month, I think only about a month after I was referred to another endocrinologist who then didn't really hesitate to get me on, on blockers. And I had, after I started on blockers, I had another appointment with, with, with her because the plan was to start on both. 
and I got cleared for starting on hormones. And I was, this is all at the age of 13. I was 13 years old wow. when I started on wow. the medicalization. Wow. And I don't think it um, was even like half a year by the time that I started on, on the medication. Really? And, so yeah. less than six months? As soon as you expressed concern. Around, around, around six months, give or take. Yeah, give or take, yeah. Oh, and and basically, if you had not been on social media, I'm just asking. Uh, I'm not. I'm a fan of social media. Okay, I, I, I literally make money off of social media. Okay, so I'm not bashing social media. But if it wasn't for SM, would this have happened? No, I don't necessarily think that social media is just an entirely bad thing. I think that. Like many other things, there's there's pros and cons to it, but I definitely should not have been using it at the age that I was. Right. I did have basically completely unrestricted access to the internet. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Uh, that that by the way, for everyone listening, for every freaking parent listening, it's why we're supposed to do what we do, and that's monitor the intake of information that your child especially yes. at a teenage level going through puberty. And it really is, doesn't, you know, it really is across the board. It doesn't matter what, what age your child is. Uh, the intake of social media is, is and should be at a high level monitored. So yes. Chloe, I want to ask you this. Um, and thank you for agreeing with me. I, I I'm pulling as we talked about prior to the show, right? I'm pulling some of this content from um, your recent interview with Glenn Beck, who you were on his, not just his podcast, but on his radio show as well, which has yeah. millions of listeners, viewers, followers, all of the above. <clears throat> and what I think that you said, and correct me if I'm wrong in my interpretation here, you weren't suicidal until post-transition. Is yeah, that right um, or wrong? I would say less post-transition and more towards like the middle of my transition. Um, I think in my sophomore year, I was that was when I was diagnosed with uh, with depression and um, social anxiety, and I did I did have I did experience social um, suicidal ideation. Wow. Wow. And, and there were a lot of factors just... that played into that, but um, a big part of it was um, I did, I did become more lonely as time went on, not only because, you know, I was, I was struggling with, with dating, but I also became, I felt more and more, I guess you could say estranged from my peers and you know, I was I was basically living a lie, and I was perpetuating this lie to other people, as well as lying to myself. And you know, I would I would I would constantly fear that like somebody would would figure me figure me out, like somebody would out me behind my back. And you know, I used like male restroom and locker facilities. I was afraid that if I if somebody knew the truth, that they could seriously hurt me. And there, there was, there was transitioning, especially so young, did add a lot of stress factors of stress into my life. 
And I mean, high school is already a pretty stressful experience. Um, it, it was it was quite tough. Can can I ask you a very personal question? Go ahead. Um, when did you hit rock bottom, and what was that process like? There were a lot of points when I was I was quite low. Um, you know, after my surgery and once COVID hit, I found that I started to spiral downward further and further. You know, not only did I go through this huge change in my body and literally lose organs right. and have to look at this these huge scars on my chest daily, um, you know, it was... I didn't really have any interaction with the, with the outside world anymore because, um, you know, I, I live in California. We had some pretty stringent restrictions on, you know, like leaving, leaving the house, going from place to place. And we had, uh, we had a lot of lockdowns and at school, um, I wasn't, we weren't attending school in, in person anymore. I was, I was just having online classes that we were following the distance learning model. And a lot of my friendships really suffered and, you know, this is, I was a teenager, I was in high school, and that's a time when you're supposed to be out and about and interacting with, with your peers, and I just wasn't really getting at all. And so I was just constantly inside, had cabin fever, and was always on the internet. And I started to further withdraw from the outside world, and my grades really started to suffer. Um, half the time, I wasn't really even participating in my online classes because I was just so depressed. I didn't really see a reason to anymore. And, you know, with the stress of starting to feel the regret of my transition creeping in, especially when I was, when I was so advanced in my transition, there were a lot of compounding factors. And um, hmm. I think after I stopped transitioning and I realized my, I really started to realize my regret and what really had just happened to me within the past few years, I think that was probably the lowest point in my life. Um, I basically had no friends in person and I kept, lo I, I just lost what, pretty much whatever friends I had. The rest were just on the internet and, you know, I felt like I was damaged. I was on hormones for so long that, you know, I developed more masculine features and I never thought that I could go back. And I was, I was just so afraid. I had a lot of fear even like returning to using female restroom and locker facilities, it was just, it was scary. I thought that somebody would think like I was like a, like a trans woman or something that I was being creepy or something when really I was the biological woman. And there's, right. on top of that, I was losing support from a community that I thought had really cared about me. But, you know, I, I was, I broke their narrative and they couldn't handle that. And so they started to attack me and even my friends who, who I went to school with didn't why, really. Why do, why do you think that they hate you so much for that? What, like, honestly, I, I really, I'm desperately trying to find out the reason why this particular community wants to destroy voices and people like you. Why? 
Well, I mentioned earlier, I feel like there's a big jealousy aspect to this because I did transition. I did transition quite young and I also came out of it relatively unscathed. And, you know, I did recover fairly well in terms of my appearance. You know, my, my health is, I'm still kind of struggling with my health a little bit, but I also, there's a little bit of fear in this because not only am I basically destroying the narrative they have that it's better to transition younger and that the regret rates are lower than one or 2%, but also, you know, seeing how advanced I was in my transition and that I still regretted it, that didn't work out for me and that I went back on my decision. There's, there's a little bit of, there's, it is a little bit scary, especially for somebody who wants to go through a transition. I mean, a lot of the people that I've, that I've received, um, a lot of vitriol and threats from so happen to be people who are just a few years older than me, maybe not, maybe they're, they're not, they're not on the medical process yet, or they're just a few months on hormones and seeing somebody who is much further into the process still be wrong. I think that's, that's kind of scary. I mean, and it, it, there is, there is, it is hard to admit that you are wrong about something. I mean, I had, a, yeah. I had a lot of shame admitting to my family and my friends that after years of being their son, nephew, yeah. and so on, I, I was wrong. I was still, still their daughter. This, this, this just heartbreaking. To me personally, I, I don't know for everyone else. I don't know about for you, Chloe, right? Like that to me is just, I don't know how to even comprehend that information because to me, it's, it's, you're a person, you're, you're somebody who is literally trying to tell, tell your story to the world so that you can help other people that were literally trying to discover themselves and deal with certain issues that you dealt with and you came out on a, on X particular side. I'm not even saying it was the right or wrong side. I have my own biases and I'm sure we know, we all know where those biases lie, but I'm saying like the fact of the matter that you're literally receiving death threats and violent hate online because of the story that you're telling from your own effing personal experience to me is absolutely psychotic and evil and i just i'm trying to hold it get hold it together here because my god is your story so freaking important to america right now I'm sorry. Um, no, don't be sorry. Yeah, I. It was how things have turned out. Um, certainly did not meet my expectations. That that that. <laughs> you know, I didn't really even consider that I could regret my transition or how things would even go after the fact, you know, I was, I was so young and nobody really told me that like, 
you know, even if transition does work out for you, the way, the way it goes is how you feel about it will change over the course of a year, over the course of three years, five years, right. 10 years, several decades. And, you know, it's not, it's really not all rainbows and lollipops, you know, every, every stage of it is painful in some way or another, either, either physically or mentally. And there, there with every, for, in my experience, there was a bit of like a, a honeymoon period with uh, starting on things like getting my first masculine haircut or buying boys clothes or starting on testosterone or getting my surgery. And eventually those great feelings of happiness just went away and it became just the norm. Would you, would you consider those uh, experienced moments of quote unquote happiness? I'll put that in quotes for me personally. Um, euphoric and maybe even a slight bit of delusional. Yeah, definitely. Both of those things. Wow. Wow. And, and, and that's so, it's so hard for somebody who's personally been through this. And I can only imagine I've been through my own things, right? I've been through literally a, a, over a decade of drug and alcohol addiction where I was in rehabilitation for two plus years. And so I'm not trying to equate the two. I'm just saying I've had my own battles, which I've had to, uh, you know, internalize and dissect emotionally and intelligently and intellectually and you're going through something that I could never imagine going through. It's incredible to me. I, I know this is a bit off topic, but I, I really kind of don't care because I just have to give you credit because you're 18. You know, you're, you're four years older than my oldest daughter. And you're going through this. You've had to live this life. And, and you, you've had to grow up before you had to. And to me, that's just a fact. For a lot of other people, maybe not so much. I don't know. But for me, that's a fact. You've had to go through so much life prior than you were actually, you know, obligated to go through. And it's 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 maddening. It, it's I don't know how we deal with this. Um, I have some ideas. I have some thoughts. I have. A lot of opinions, obviously, Chloe, as you can probably derive from this one particular podcast that we've barely spent an hour on, but I can't comprehend what you're going through whatsoever, other than the fact that I can rel relate it to my own personal story, which is that we as human beings have some amazing hurdles to get over in many of those hurdles should not be having to take at such a young age, Chloe. And I, I, my heart breaks for you. And at the same time, my heart is fulfilled because you were able to get through that. And I'm in such a torn position because I don't ever want to say the wrong thing because you're, 
you're, you're such a victim of, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're, in my opinion, you're a victim of abuse, of physical and mental abuse. That's my stance. You don't have to agree with that. Nobody else in the comment section, in the thousand people, or the thousands of people that are going to watch the show, you don't have to agree with that. That's fine. That's my opinion. But I want you to be able to feel free and feel open to tell your story in a manner that you feel safe and that you feel is absolutely obligatory to today's society. And so uh, I want to ask you uh, two more questions and then we'll get off of here because we're already over an hour and you're a very, 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 very busy young lady that has some extraordinary potential and an absolutely fantastic life ahead of you in, or, in, in accomplishing these goals. And I don't say that lightly. I mean it 100%. So first, last question of two, how much hate and violent threats are you getting um, quite a lot, actually. I mean, under pretty much every, every tweet I make, there's, I'd say at least one or two people saying negative things. Um, I'd say maybe about like once a week, I get like a, like a threat or like a really disturbing message, Jeez. but, and I feel, I feel like, um, Sorry, I'm kind of getting off track here, but no, no, you're good. You're good. Don't uh, don't apologize. You know, I have a lot of a lot of friends who don't necessarily agree with me, and we're not exactly on on the best terms. And right, I I do worry sometimes. How much is that worry, and and what can we do to help? Um, well, I guess the only thing I can really do is just see what happens. I mean, I am planning to move out of my area and out of state pretty soon anyways. I'm not going to ask you your area. I don't want to know. I don't want anybody else to know whatsoever. I mean, um, it is, I mean, I, I, I've talked about this before. Like I'm, I'm in, I'm in the middle of California, um, That's that's not a great place to be. Yeah, right I'm kind of in the middle of all this stuff. So there are uh, there are parents, and you've actually expressed this. Um, and I think you expressed it on the Going Back program, uh, the podcast, and the radio show, both of which have like like millions of people listening and watching. <laughs> right, which is a much lesser uh, our, mine is a much lesser program but i think you did say that um people are doxing you and they are trying to find out your area and you're going to vacate that area or did i get that wrong um yeah yeah i, I plan to i plan to move out pretty pretty soon but I wouldn't. I'd say it's I mainly because I just it's just not the 
the best area really and I've been meaning to get out pretty much as soon as you know I hit adulthood so but nobody's like I haven't been like doxxed I haven't been actually doxxed luckily oh really but there there's people out there like demanding like personal information for me like um, like my city where I where I live and it's just it's just really crazy to deal with oh I I I can't even imagine what you're going through. Um, I, I'm fairly certain I, I misworded that question off the hook because I am just I, – I, I can't express to you or the audience the emotions that I feel hearing your story and talking to you personally. Um, they call it gender-affirming care, right? And for those of you that – are listening later, which will literally be thousands and which is crazy to me, but this is where we're at now. Um, I put that in air quotes, right? Um, this gender affirming care. Yeah. It's uh, really, I, it's really delusion affirming care. It's delusional affirming care. Delusion affirming care. Cause the only thing that's the only thing that it's really affirming. It's a delusion. You're, your sex is something that you're stuck with at birth. It's an immutable trait and nothing can change it. And that's something that I, I remember you saying specifically that sex, biological sex is an immutable characteristic. And she's absolutely correct. 1000% uh, your skin color, uh, your genetics, all of the above, right? Your, 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 your genetical design biological sexuality if that's the right term um is immutable am i wrong chloe the fact is that your design at birth and it is of my opinion and and everybody knows this from me that i am a i'm a christian i'm a bible believing disciple of jesus i am a libertarian so i hate the government but I also do believe that you, Chloe, were designed and you were known from the womb in that Jesus and God could count the hairs on your head before you were ever birthed into this world and that you were given a specific reason to have a voice for positivity on this planet. And I know this was not the direction. And trust me, it was not the direction I was wanting to go, Chloe. Uh, but it is, it, it's here we are now. It's me express, expressing my opinion. Feel free to get, disagree. I, you know, it, it's all fine. But this is just, this is just us, us talking at this point. You were designed as who you were born to be before you were ever birthed from your mother's womb to be somebody of important value and of all the troubles that you've been through at eight, you're 18, you're 18. And the, the, the magnitude and volume of which you reach people and, and how your voice is magnified and how extraordinarily intelligent 
and professional that you are in reaching out to the community and that, in my opinion, deserves it the most right here and right now. I can't thank you enough. I just can't. I can't. And, and you are extra man. If I was you at 18, oh my God. Like you are you are a impactful person. And I'll leave it at that. Chloe, please give us your final thoughts. You are an amazing, amazing person. You are a woman of great stature. And my God, I can't thank you enough. Y'all all can see at Chew Cole. I really did actually want to ask you why you chose Chew Cole uh, for Twitter instead <laughs> of Chloe Cole. And then donorbox.org. There's more ways to uh, donate to her causes, which are extraordinarily important. But we're going to let her tell us how we can help her cause the most right now. Thank you so much. Um, so the reason why, why I chose the username Chew Cole is because Chew is just a nickname I've had for I think I think somebody at school made it up when I was in elementary school. It's just a just a cute little thing. But um, you know, I really feel like there is a spiritual component in this. I do. I do really think that this is a spiritual battle. Um, Amen. I am a believer in God. I um, I really don't think I could have got through any of this without His guidance. And you know, the, I don't think it's. There's very few instances in history where the the line between good and evil has been so clear. And I think a thing about a lot of these these activists, these people who identify either identify as trans or they believe in the ideology, they believe that trans that anybody who identifies as one thing or, or another is actually exactly that, or, or that children can can identify as trans and consent to it. A lot of those people I find are I believe there are people who struggle. They're 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 struggling to grasp onto some sort of belief. They they're they're a bit nihilistic. They're depressed, and they they desperately want something to believe in. And this ideology, it I mean, it captures some of the most vulnerable. Wow, Chloe, can I have you back on? Many more times, like like many more times. But can I at least have you on for one more show, and and we talk about some of the psychology that you're you're putting out right at the very end? Is that possible? I'd love to. Oh oh my God! Thank you so much. You you are like you are like me. If I was to say, if I was a kid, like if I could grow up to be somebody, right? <clears throat> This is who I would want to be. And I'm 39. I'm old enough to be your damn dad. <laughs> you are an exceptional human being. You are somebody that, and I say this with a heavy heart. You are somebody who is beyond their time. And I truly believe that you are beyond your time because of the circumstances that you were forced into. However, had you not been forced into those circumstances, you would still be a very intelligent, sharp 
an incredible human being and an absolutely amazing woman. Chloe, you are, I think, my favorite guest that I've had on this show. And that's pretty big because I've had some of the biggest part, some of the biggest people on this show that I could have actually asked to be with. And there's a reason why I shoved you into the, I didn't shove you. I picked you to be in that Twitter thread that you agreed to, to say that these, this is a growing show. It's an ex- exceptionally growing show. And I'm going to have these people on eventually at no point. Did I expect you to respond within minutes and say, <laughs> I'm, down you are awesome and you have 100 of my utmost respect and my god can i not wait to have you back on the show again i can't thank you enough thank you so much i really enjoyed this show i i hope you mean that that's incredible you're a very genuine person so i take you at your word i, I think you really do or, or did enjoy this show thank you so much i I was like semi nervous i'm never nervous for this stuff right this is you know one of the reasons why like it does so well i guess but i was i was nervous about this because i wanted to get your story out there i wanted you to be comfortable and i'm not somebody who has been doing this for very long so i can't thank you enough you are remarkable you're in a, you 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 are really a remarkable person. I cannot wait to have you on again. I'm not going to bug you about it because I know you're very busy. You're an extremely successful activist, and you should be. And so I won't bug you. Thank you so much. Um, I've got at Chew Cole in uh, DonorBox.org on the show. I was supposed to shout it out many times, but I got so wrapped up in in Chloe's. Um, in conversation i'm sorry y'all uh please please for the love of god go to her twitter follow her follow uh the donut uh donorbox.org or contribute to it rather than follow and, and do everything we can to get her voice out there is there anything left that you want to say chloe uh i think i covered everything that i wanted to speak about you did today you- anyways yeah, today, today. I'm looking forward to coming back on the. Awesome! I look. I am so looking forward to you coming back on. It's remarkable. It has been incredible. You are an amazing person. Thank you so much, Chloe. I will talk to you again very soon. As soon as you approve, approve that I can talk to you. And I Have hope good it's evening. soon. Yeah, me too. Absolutely, very soon. Absolutely freaking fantastic. Chloe Cole, amazing, amazing woman. Uh, Incredible. This was, I only hesitate to say this next thing because of the people that I've had on. I don't want to offend them, but I'm fairly certain that the people that I've had on will completely understand. This has been my favorite guest that i've ever had and that says something 
because I've had extraordinary guests. I've had Spike Cohen like five times vice presidential nominee of the third uh, largest party in the country. I've had Carol Roth multiple times, who is an economist and former New York Times and uh, Wall Street banker. I've had Matt Kibbe, Blaze TV, same as Carol Roth. I've had some of the most outstanding guests that many of the people in my position that have been doing this for years would only hope to have these kinds of guests. I don't say that out of arrogance. I say it out of humility. I swear to you, I promise you, that's why I mean it. Chloe Cole. The best guest I've ever had. And the reason being is because she's an exceptional human being. As to the list that I just said. Exceptional human being. Exceptionally brave human being. Unreal. Unreal. Probably my favorite interview of all time. I've my favorite interview of all time. And, and, and it's because I've had people like Spike Cohen on multiple times and we get along so great and we have such great conversations and we laugh so much and, and the, the numbers skyrocket all the above. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Spike, I love you, bro. We're family. Like you literally called me a Cohen. Doesn't matter. Chloe Cole. Best interview I've ever had. I am just shook. I had to do my best to fight back the tears. I wish to God with every inch of my soul that I could have been her at 18. I swear. Full stop. Hands down. Not even questioning it. You guys are amazing. I love you very much. I am so shocked that this show continues to grow as one of the largest podcasts in the world. And I am completely stunned and humbled to have somebody like Chloe Cole on the show to tell her story and to do it so candidly and that we could have the conversation so candidly. I thank you. I love you very much. As always, I tell you every single time, you are what makes this show possible. And I am stunned that we are where we are. That's the reality of it. That's the, that's the honesty of it. That's the truth of it. That you make the show. As I've told you multiple times, there's a lot of new people here now, which is incredible, right? Like, like literally hundreds and thousands of new people joining this show just within the last couple of weeks. I'll tell you right now because you've never heard it. You make the show possible. And this is an elected position because you could vote with your time. And you could go vote somewhere else with said time. 
That's a fact. But you don't. Instead, you stick around here for amazing guests like Chloe Cole, which I am completely humbled and shocked that I was even able to get her on the show just based off a Twitter thread. <laughs> take your shots, fam. Look, take your shots. I did it. I took my shot. I put her in there because I wanted her on this show, and I didn't think it was possible for at least two years. She responded, take your shots. Take your shots. Incredible show. One of the best I've ever seen in my life. I'll end it there. I love you very not. I love you very much. You're absolutely exceptional. You'll see me same Cajun time, same Cajun channel, and I'm out. Thank you.